0: All right, welcome to the show and this week uh, this week's guest oh my goodness he's uh, number one has a super sense of humor it's ever since i've I've met uh Kirk <laughs> um, we laugh it's kind of like you know when you find a person that laughs at the same crazy stuff that you laugh that you 're sitting at a at a dinner or at an event, and uh, you know nobody could possibly be thinking what you're thinking. Kirk is usually <laughs> thinking what I'm thinking. <laughs> um, he is a, uh, an experienced business attorney uh, focused towards legal strategies uh, for startups and entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneurs. Uh, he uh, is the business attorney that uh, most of the business guys that I know uh, go to. Graduate from uh, University of Tulsa, TU and has been named as uh, Oklahoma Rising Star. And also, uh, I didn't know this until today, was also uh, uh, labeled Super Lawyers, if you know about that. So, Super Lawyers for two years in a row. Uh, Please welcome to the show this week, Kirk Schauer. Kirk, are you there? Hello, Kirk. I'm here. Thank you. Excellent. Actually, how's that for an intro, man? That's a little bit of pressure. Oh, be funny. <laughs> it is great. Well, happy to
1: be here. Thank you.
0: Uh, you're welcome, brother. Thank you for actually taking time. That's what I was, we were talking before the show, and I thought, uh, man, I, I hope uh, he doesn't have, I hope court doesn't, you know, pull you away because uh, that happens, right?
1: Yeah. Well, it's going to be awkward when you get the invoice. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. It's like return to sender.
1: I'm uh, no, happy to. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yeah. So tell us about uh, Shower and Keller. Is it kether or is it H? That's right. Yeah, you oh, nailed it. My goodness. Okay, cool. Um, you're supposed to practice these things anyway at first. But uh, but tell us about, about um, your law firm and
1: how you're helping your clients. Sure. Uh, Jesse and I partnered up a little over three years ago now, and we focus on entrepreneurs, people starting a business, and then uh, the majority of our clients then are those companies that we have helped get off the ground that have ongoing contract issues, uh, licensing things, have new ideas they need to protect. But we are, uh, we focus on people structuring their business, protecting their ideas. And uh, love working with everyone from the person with the idea out of the garage to uh, mid-size, uh, multi-million dollar manufacturers and, and everything in between.
0: Do you have a favorite of one of your services that you, uh, that you help people with?
1: I, I love the business formation. And I would say probably especially when it is a multi-member or a family business, situation, just the hearing why they're pursuing what they're pursuing and helping them put a structure in place that is aligned with that that avoids issues in the future. But I I gravitate towards folks that are getting started and, and need some help at that initial stage.
0: And when you say um you have experience, uh first hand experience with a family business, I know.
1: Right. Right.
0: Uh, t- tell us about that How's...
1: sure I my dad when I was oh, late elementary school and middle school he invented a, a product called the hang safe hook uh, it's a safety coat hook for schools and churches of all things and uh, grew it from our family garage to uh, a sized manufacturer that sells them all over the country and several other countries but he was he was that guy in the garage with an idea and uh, and and grew it, and so uh, I was able to work with him uh, directly for several years in between undergrad and, and law school, and then, of course, you know, as a child of an entrepreneur, you're, you're child labor as well, so he we, uh, saw kind of the uh, every side of the business and then was able to help be a part of it and, and grow it, and now Several of the brothers are involved, and uh, it's a it's a family business, and so that's that's why I enjoy working with with our small businesses and especially family businesses. Is seeing uh, seeing that firsthand.
0: So you can help me figure out how to uh, use child labor.
1: Exactly right, right. Maximize maximize the free labor while you can. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, some of the advantages
0: that you see, I mean, that people have when they're forming, I, I know there's, there's just tons of probably advantages. I know, um, when I started my business, I did not form my business, um, uh, you know, uh, in any kind of legal way. I just started working mm-hmm. and taking checks.
1: Yeah. Uh, is that... Do, uh, do a lot of people start that way? Uh, it's very common. And we see that quite often and, and folks can grow, you know, well, in quote say businesses that uh, can be a substantial si- size before they say, you know, I think I need to go ahead and put some structure into this. And it's understandable because you're feeling out if an idea is going to pick up, and someone's going to. Grab onto your services. What's what's really there, and people are are focused on growing that, and then they uh, handle some of the structural things. So, it uh, that's very very common.
0: What do you think are some of the myths that people have about? Because uh, I had my own until um, I think it was it was my accounting guy that said, "Do not take another check in your name." I mean, you're. <laughs> You're you're crazy. Um, what are some of the myths that you find that that are out there when it comes to forming a, a business correctly and the structure?
1: Yeah, I I think an assumption that it is complex or that it will be an arduous process to put into place or an expensive process. Those are kind of the, the hurdles that we see. Time is a big one, you know. Folks are, folks are just are building and setting aside the time to to do that is difficult. Uh, something that I I see quite often, and it's kind of a psychological thing. But there's a, a concern, oftentimes, that this is a level of commitment that maybe you know I know this is getting my ideas getting traction. I know I'm making money at it, but as soon as I take that step of forming the business, I'm I'm fully committed to this. And sometimes there's a mental thing there and I, you know, enjoy kind of diving into what, you know, why are we holding back on, on some of these structural things? And then there's an assumption that if I put this business structure in place, well now I'm committed to offering these goods or these services or doing it this way. And that's a misconception because there's still a, if done right, a significant amount of flexibility, to accommodate as you go forward as you feel out exactly how you're going to do uh, what you do, so those are what I see as some of the the common hurdles in people taking that step
0: cool so i say and and i i um you know I, I was confronted with this was okay sure i I feel like I need to get some structure in here, an LLC, uh, an MNOP, or whatever uh, I need this to be. Um, Mm -hmm. What are some of the obstacles that you see people have when it comes to either doing it myself or hiring an attorney? Because that was a a decision that had to be made. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah, it's... There and I and I saw this firsthand. In fact, it was one of the reasons that I wanted to go to law school was to help entrepreneurs, people with an idea that are just looking for help. I saw unfortunately one side of it where, you know, my dad's trying to get something off the ground and growing something. And time and again, the some of the, you know, the professionals that you would seek help from are people that. They have not put themselves out there before in starting a business, uh, growing something on their own. They've, you know, they've essentially just always traded their time for money. And so, and then they're explaining to someone who is building something, all the reasons why you can't do something, you shouldn't do something, or how it's not going to to work. And that was baffling to me. And so we try to take the opposite approach where, uh, we find a way to to make it work for them, and so uh, to your to your question, it's a uh, you know people maybe have had those experiences or assume the way that I want to do this and envision doing this. Once I sit down with with an attorney, it's going to be you know shredded up and and I won't be able to, and so that's that's a misconception that we try to alleviate out of the gate but you know your ideas your business your your vision for what you're going to grow it's so personal and we understandably are are guarded about that or guarded about uh, uh about criticism of it or someone that would just say you know you, you can't do this or until advised and so obviously if something is going to be illegal or, or cause problems that way uh we give people all the options and explain that, but otherwise uh, we try to find a structure and a way to help them, help them pursue that.
0: That's cool because I, you know, I was given a checklist of things that I needed to do uh, to, to get this LLC or whatever in the beginning uh, done of certificate of fictitious name and bank accounts and all of this. And, You know, I thought I didn't have the money to hire anyone at that point, but it's when you get halfway through it and you're like, you know, I think I have the money (laughs) to to, uh, hire someone. I have no idea uh, if I'm doing this correctly. And then uh, later on, fast forward, meeting you and sitting with you and doing some of the trademark work that we've done on ideas and also... And some of the organizations that I've been a part of that you have uh, worked the formations of with, I mean, one of them there was what like thirteen of us.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, you at you least know, yeah
0: in that in that business, and uh, and just seeing how you handle that. And there's you know I've got I've got clients that um, you know that use you. So when you run into these how do you deal with I don't even know if we can get into that but how do you deal with having so many different a personality players or does that even come into effect or like how you know you have so many people with different um businesses and it affects people different how do you herd those cats
1: yeah it's and I I enjoy that aspect of it especially in the, the partnership setting, you know, whether it's two to, as you point out, you know, 13 plus, they're, they are going into business because they have certain skill sets and contributions or maybe, you know, money that they're putting into something. And that's why they're at the table and they're good at what they do and how they do it. Uh, what What we like to do is come along and ask, help them ask the right questions that will alleviate something popping up six months in or a couple years in and help them think about it both from a practical it's good for an operational standpoint who's going to be handling which aspects of this and if x y or z happens what happens and uh, it's not uncommon that after our first meeting the folks need to either reconvene and, and talk through certain things or uh, you know, usually they say a couple times, well, I didn't think about that. And they, they learn more about each other through that process. And it's, that's the time to learn those things and to plan for them and to build around it versus when either the partnership is going great and you're making a lot of money or things aren't working out or there's a challenge. You don't want to be having those conversations then and not having those pieces in place. So it's just, it's asking the right questions and uh, helping them uh, mold something that, that meets all of those needs. And uh, it's, I, I can only think of a couple of scenarios where the, those questions resulted in them drastically changing what they wanted to do or how they wanted to do it, but they were very grateful for that. You know, you'd rather, you'd rather uh, have your own business and be working with someone at a, uh, and kind of a, you each have your own business and you're, you're strategically aligned versus being in partnership with someone that you shouldn't have been a a partner with to, to begin with. That's great. And by the way, uh,
0: I am going to uh, need to reach out, out to you after this. I was speaking with my sister, uh, called me yesterday and she has homeschooled, uh, all of her, let I me mean, just have like four children. One, two, three, four, mm-hmm. I think I've got them all. Four children and and so well to the, to the point that my nephew is 16 years old and he just started his freshman year of college. Mm-hmm. And so all of her kids are like on this fast track and people are starting to come to her and, and want to – hire her for her curriculum and, and, and all this. And we were talking and of course I'm thinking you should start an online course. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and uh, of course she wasn't understanding that, you know, how, how does this, uh, very, she's very brick and mortar, uh, mind and so she's like, well, I'm thinking about opening this, uh, uh tutoring, place with this lady that is in Houston with her, but I would like to do an online course. How would that, you know, who's the, who's the, the boss and all that she's going down this road. And I'm like, well, first of all, I don't want anything to do with the brick and mortar stuff. That's not, mm-hmm. you know, that is not my wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. And I have no idea how things would work, but they would be structured right. And then hold my mind. I'm thinking Kirk, Kirk, Kirk. <laughs> uh, but you can you can work that out for us right to where i don't have like i don't want to have anything to do with yeah
1: so we yeah that's that's certainly something in our in our wheelhouse and i you know it brings up something else you know to to one of your earlier questions on oftentimes people think i need i need this entity in place i need to build the business to protect myself from liability you know that's one of the most commonly understood reasons for having your own entity is I've, I've got a shield for liability. But that, I, I see really a lot more practical benefits of having that entity in place, especially for someone who is new to having their own business, uh, putting themselves out there that way. It is a good physical reminder of the business is separate from me. It's its own entity. And then all of a sudden you you Start thinking about things which I think are beneficial from a business standpoint in that, okay, the business has its own bank account. How much money is coming in and going out? Uh, Where does it need to be? Uh, I'm I'm signing contracts on behalf of the business. This business is separate. As personal as business and our ideas are, there's so many benefits to understanding where that separation lies as well. You know, that's kind of the thing all entrepreneurs have to wrestle with and they I hear so many of them, you know, once they came to that realization that, hey, I've gotta treat this as its own thing and it's gotta grow on its own, it's gotta build on its own, other things start falling into place. And so just that that mental separation that happens, especially with people that are new to this whole realm, I think is as valuable, if not more valuable, than, you know, some of the well known benefits of asset protection and all of those things. That's great. That's great. I think my main
0: concern was, was protecting myself from my sister.
1: (laughs) Right. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Uh, You know, you want Thanksgiving dinner to be okay,
1: you know? Absolutely. It's, you know, all of the, for all of the benefits of family business, which is we can, We can talk about business at the dinner table. I know what your strengths are. I can be more direct with you. Um, I know what your level of commitment is. Uh, You're looking at this in the long term. All of those things. There are some significant potential downsides, and that's one area I love working with clients on. You know how how do we bring the second generation into this? How do we make sure siblings are uh, know what the the ground rules are, so issues are avoided. And oftentimes, you know, one, uh, you know, a a meeting where decisions are made and things are put into place, what that can head off down the road are are significant. And uh, people can focus on the things that they need to. Because you're right, we, uh, you come into, especially a family business with everything that predated that. And that's, you know, I've been in meetings where someone brought up, Uh, you know, that time your sister, uh, stole that from you when you were 10 years old It has (laughs) nothing to do with the new venture, but you know, that's what we come into it with. And, and so using all the tools that we can to make that, uh, those past, uh, not impact uh, the business or what you guys are putting into it's key, but, uh, it, again, it takes the right questions to, to hash that out and that way everybody can have Thanksgiving.
0: Man, did you go to, were you on that Hobby Lobby tour with us? I was, yeah. How about that as far as, you know, and we're talking about, we went to uh, Hobby Lobby and spent some time with Mark uh, Green, and he told us about. Uh, one thing that stuck out to me was that every month, all of the greens, when you talk about different generations, I think you have to be 16 years old in order to go to the monthly family mm-hmm. uh, uh, meeting there. And they, you know, discuss things like who to donate or what organizations to donate to and all that stuff. But uh, what what jumped out with what you were just talking about was uh, having those you know businesses that go for generations, and isn't it something like i mean there's an astounding number of businesses that just fail to
1: when it comes yeah. to that second generation right right i I believe it's ten uh, percent make it through survive the second generation wow, and it's like three percent or less to the third, and rarely is it market influences that that cause that. And, uh, I know that meeting was, uh, was incredible. And I think I've quoted Mark quite a few times in in client meetings since then, just in their approach to it and how inclusive, not everybody in the second or third generation works for the business, but it's still, they find ways for it to be included. They have not lost a family element because of even though they have this highly successful, you know, very large uh, business where that so many of them are involved in. And that's one thing that I've talked to a lot of family businesses about is especially when you have a high percentage of, of the family that's involved in the business, it's very easy to, for the business to be the topic at the dinner table and for it to be, you know, it's a, it's a part of the family's DNA, but if all the siblings aren't involved, um, what, what are the other things that tie us together? And what stood out to me with the greens is I, and I, I don't know if he said this, but I, something along these lines, and I genuinely believe it. If the family business were to go away tomorrow, they would, they would have some central tenants and things that would tie them together and wouldn't change the trajectory of what they do and how they do it. And, uh, that's I think key for families and you have to have those overarching things helps your business. But I think more importantly, um, you know, the business isn't, isn't the family.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think I I do. I did get that from him too. So what are the, uh, we talked about some of them, but what are this, uh, some of the, um, pitfalls and common mistakes that you see business owners make when they're forming their business and, and how can they avoid them?
1: Yeah. So, most states, if you file for a limited liability company, which is the uh, the typical business entity that attorneys suggest and accountants suggest, uh, just because of the flexibility and the ease of operating from year to year, uh, most states don't require you to also have an operating agreement, which is like your bylaws. So you can register and create an LLC and it be valid and usable without that those bylaws so many businesses and I've seen you know large larger businesses even they don't have an operating agreement or someone found one online uh, they said this is good enough and uh, stuck it back in the drawer and haven't revisited it and so I think uh, using that opportunity to have an operating agreement that really does match what you do and how you want to do it and having that personally crafted, because, again, it's something that you can amend, you can change. Uh, but having something that's not cookie cutter um, or something that's just a, a template, I think, can be problematic. And we see a lot of issues with that, especially if you have multiple people involved or just not having one in place at all um, is, is problematic. So that's one thing I think deferring decisions like that discussions like that out of a concern that it's going to be time consuming, it's going to be expensive, you know, all the things we talked about before. So that's, those are the big pitfalls I see.
0: Okay, cool. I did, you shared uh, quite a few stories with me over, over the, uh, you know, the times that we've been together. Can you uh, kind of share an example of how you've helped maybe a client overcome those obstacles and, and succeed in getting a business structured? The way sure. that that helped
1: yeah I, I think one and this is we've seen this happen a, a couple of times, but one that stands out to me is you know two two partners they both had a skill set, and that was going to be their contribution to a new venture and um, ironing out. You know it's hard sometimes to you know if one person's putting money in and one person's putting skill sets in or maybe they're both just putting their services in what uh, how do we define that so that you know say a year in we don't get into a situation where you know my contribution's more valuable or or uh, I'm the one that's really making this grow things like that you want to avoid that so when you define and everyone understands that you know, as long as we're both doing X, Y, and Z, we're still partners at this percentage. And so we had some partners that were, uh, had been operating with some success, but some of those concerns were popping up and, uh, getting to the point where, you know, each had reached out to me and and had concerns about, you know, even continuing in the partnership or they'd be better, uh, separating, which would have been just an expensive, hairy. And I think, um, Terrible experience for each of them, and neither of them would have ended up with anything or the ability to go forward. And so we were able to walk them through that process of, of both what's working, what's not working, what we do, we need to communicate and put into place. And they, uh, they did that, and it, it, the traction just in there from the operational side, from having those discussions and putting those pieces in place. And I think more importantly, not having to be guarded or protected going forward, because they've already decided it and it's settled, um, was, was huge. And so, um, and then, you know, another example would be the, you know, we have some clients that started out as a small group and grew and new investors came on. And so, amending operating agreements, offering new rounds of, of, of ownership, uh, some of those more complex structures uh, are fun as well because it's, um, you know, when you see something growing and new people wanting to be a part of it and people's investments paying off, that's, that's enjoyable. And uh, with some of those businesses, and we get to reclassify, you know, identify the ideas that you have, what needs to be in its own entity and uh, kind of separating some of those things out. But uh, those are the two that uh, kind of immediately... Come to mind that uh, I think significantly helped them and helped them grow and, and gave them peace of mind and allowed them just to focus on what they're good at.
0: Man, Kirk, I have heard you use the words "fun" and "enjoyable" all throughout this conversation when speaking about these incredibly complex <laughs> situations. At what point you, you told us that you got started? Um, you know, uh, with the family business, but at what point, maybe through school or or whenever, did you realize that this was the thing that you wanted to do that inspired you to just keep going? Because I mean, it's pretty tough to become an attorney.
1: Right. Uh, it was. It was undergrad. I uh, I went to college at a small. A private school in Springfield, Missouri, called Evangel University, and I had a uh, just a wonderful professor and advisor. And he, I had mentioned to him a few times. I was thinking about law school, and uh, and a lot of that grew out of seeing what my dad was going through and in, in growing the business, and just seeing you know there's an opportunity for someone to if if you're willing to come alongside entrepreneurs, um, there's 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 ample need out there and uh, so he uh, encouraged me to pursue that and uh, so I did I he said you know the the benefit is if you're going to law school you can spend undergrad studying something that you're interested in and that was a load off for me because I was at that point a a secondary education major but they had had a practicum in a middle school class and so that was an eye-opening experience to realize you know this is this is not going to work. So it, uh, middle schoolers will chew you up and spit you out. So, <laughs> uh, for me, for me, law school is the easier path so right. kudos to teachers, especially middle schoolers. Um, so I, uh, I decided that was the route and, uh, finished up with the government degree. And, uh, it did take two years to, uh, uh in between undergrad and in law school, one one year was deliberate to work on a family business and the second year I was, uh, had met my uh, wife and that uh, I needed another year to talk her into to marrying me and so that was the second year and uh, so she agreed and then uh, we moved down to Tolson. I started law school. That's awesome. Can you share a lesson that maybe you
0: learned early on that still impacts how you do your business today?
1: I would say saying yes to the right things and no to the right things. It's uh, there's you know some of the things that you should pass on or uh, maybe uh, yeah you should pass on are usually just close enough to something that is interesting to you or uh, that you you think would uh, be a good opportunity. And so having a good a good process and and maybe even a kind of a key group of people that you run certain things through um, is, is important. So knowing, knowing what to, to pass on, and that could be anything from, you know, a business opportunity to an area service you provide or a specific client, just anything along those lines. So being deliberate about that, I wouldn't think that that would be something that you have to be just super mindful of and maybe I should have been, you know, that should have been more top of the mind and uh, I can say I haven't made any decisions that I just hugely regret, but I think being being mindful of that from the beginning is good. Man, and the more
0: successful you get, the more opportunities, uh, they come your way, right? Sure, absolutely. People ask you to be on podcasts and stuff. (laughs) Uh, so we we talk about a lot today Um, what do you feel like is the most important question that business owners should ask themselves when they're considering about forming a business
1: I would say um, get to the why of, of, of what your what your business is that's incredibly helpful when you're meeting with an attorney or an accountant is is you having a clear picture of your why and, uh, and then that helps you know that helps us as attorneys know from a structural standpoint or the pieces that need to be in in place and then i think from a practical standpoint if you if you're clear on your why with yourself then you can define that why for people that come along beside you or that work with you or that you hire or your spouse and uh, um, so that's clear with all of them and then also they then they understand what to say to remind you when things get harder. There's, there's difficulties of what your why is and you have that support. But uh, I'd say understanding your why of, of your business, of your idea, what your vision for it is. And, um, but um, that, yeah, I, I'd say that's the important question.
0: Okay, cool.
1: And so we're going to roll forward
0: and then the question that we need to be asking when we're considering evaluating an attorney is what?
1: I'd say, you you know, experience is key and uh both their legal experience and the and the type of help that you need, whether it's business formation or litigation or something along those lines of the experience. I say legal experience and non legal experience. I you know, we like to explain to clients or clients understand that we've we've been involved in things outside of the legal realm. We, we understand the, the ups and downs of, of starting a business and putting yourself out there that way. I think that is it's helpful. And if you find an attorney that has that, that's a huge plus. Um, and then, you know, especially with, with larger firm, what's that attorney's role going to be? You know, what aspects uh, are they still going to be hands-on with what questions, if you have follow-up questions or minor things that come up? Are they the one that's going to be answering that, or is that going to be delegated? Those type of things. So making sure that it aligns with what your expectations are on uh, access and availability. And uh, you know, for us, that that goes to relationship. And our our philosophy is we we're in it for the ha- the long haul with clients. So we love forming the business, but we're we're prideful of the fact that our clients use us when there's a dispute that arises, or there's licensing things, or things that come up down the road. So if um, if you're interested or if that's your intent with an attorney, seeing if that's how they approach it as well. And uh, some, uh, you know, many firms that, that's also their approach, but some, they just focus on one aspect of it. And uh, so knowing that going in is good. Awesome. Okay.
0: Well, you can go ahead and send me the invoice. I, I appreciate your time. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Uh, gladly paid. you give uh no so much great information man i just feel so honored that sometimes when i get to go on these trips and we get to, and i get to talk with you you know Oh no, not it's mutual, it's, mutual. Uh, it's awesome so how can someone find out more about uh kirk shower and in,
1: uh in your sure firm? our website is nine one eight legal dot com and uh We went for that instead of showerinfectketter.com, so uh, go to 918legal.com, and more details on on us there, how to get a hold of us, and we have a Facebook page as well that we try to keep updated with helpful information, uh, and our phone number is 918-938-7300.
0: Awesome. Well, give Kirk a call. Uh, and I mean, this is the tip of, of the iceberg of what he shared with you today. And until next week, we'll we'll uh, you know keep playing, keep playing, and uh, eventually you'll own the block.